We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio. My name is Walker Wildman. Good to be with you today on the show, on the program. AFR.net is our website. That's where you can find my show page there. And you can also find the latest podcast that we post there on the website. By the way, for all of you who like to follow up on some of the stories that I talk about every day after every show, uh, Bobby, my producer, we post the links, uh, some of the top stories we talk about. We post a couple of those links to those stories and those resources on my show page at AFR.net. Uh, so if you hear something I talk about and I mention that we're going to link to it on the podcast page, that's what we're talking about there. But if you go over to the AFR app or you go over to Apple Podcast Store or you go over to uh, uh, Google's Podcast Store, you can find the show there. You can find AFA at the core. You just can't find these links. We're not able to link, uh, put hyperlinks on those different third-party platforms. So we do that on our website at AFR.net. So you can find the podcast there. And if you just want the audio, you just want the show, you don't want the links, you can, of course, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We are live streaming the video on Facebook, on the core Facebook page, AFA at the core Facebook page. And we are uploading the video to the streaming platform after the show each afternoon. So streaming.afa.net is the URL for that platform where you can go and watch the show after afterwards. If you're not able to catch the video, you can go back after the fact and watch it on our streaming platform. Out of uh, Psalms, we're in chapter 7, verse 10 and 11 is what I've been highlighting this week. Or verse, uh, yeah, 10 and 11. My shield is with God, says David, who, do, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who fills indignation every day. So uh, I want to encourage you to, to be in the Word of God and to continue to read His Word for ultimate wisdom and fulfillment comes from Scripture. So that's our Scripture for the week, Psalm chapter 7, uh, and I've been highlighting verse 10 and 11. Uh, jumping into some of the stories of the week. You know, yesterday we announced we had breaking news that uh, Justice Breyer is retiring from the Supreme Court. And we actually have formal confirmation as of this morning due to a press conference at the White House with the President Joe Biden and Stephen Breyer, the Supreme Court Justice. The two of them had a press conference where they confirmed his retirement. So this sets the stage for a Biden nominee uh, a Biden nominee. That's what it sets the stage for uh, to the Supreme Court, which will have to go through the U.S. Senate. Some interesting feedback here, or some interesting tidbits of information. There's There's been some conflicting reports on what it takes to get a nominee through the Senate. But here is the latest, and this is... <laughs> You know, people are writing about this as if this is the first time we've seen a nominee go through the U.S. Senate. 
So you would think we would have this process down by now, those in the legal circle, but there's still debate uh, on the rules and procedures for this process at times. Well, the latest is from a Harvard law professor, Lawrence Tribe, a Biden ally, by the way. So this is not an anti-Biden administration person. This is a Lawrence Tribe, a Harvard professor and legal ally of President Joe Biden. He has stated that the vice president does not have the authority to make a tie-breaking vote for a Supreme Court nominee approval in the Senate. This is important. We have a 50-50 breakdown. You know, I think they call Chuck Schumer the Senate majority leader, but really it's 50-50. And you bring in the vice president, okay, he's Senate majority leader, but you take out the VP vote and um, it's 50-50, quite literally a 50-50 split in the U.S. Senate. And so according to... According to uh, this uh, Harvard law professor, Lawrence Tribe, he says, quote, while the vice president has the power to cast a tie-breaking vote to pass a bill, the Constitution does not give him or her the power to break ties when it comes to the Senate's advice and consent role in approving presidential appointments to the Supreme Court, Tribe wrote. He actually wrote this piece about 15 months ago, but it's being recirculated and, and uh, discussed again. So this is this is interesting, very, very interesting. And the reason it's interesting is because from, from all appearances, the Democrats are going to need a Republican to vote for Biden's Supreme Court justice nominee. Now, are they going to have trouble getting a Republican to vote for the Biden nominee, probably not at all. Uh, we know how the Republicans play. They play soft, they play nice, and they play by the rules. And that's what often gets them beat. But you look over at the Democrats, and they know how to play ball. And they don't play fair. They don't play by the rules. They play dirty. Now, I'm not suggesting the Republicans should play dirty, but I do think that they should use every tool at their disposal to ensure that a bad nominee, one who does not believe firmly in the rule of law and the Constitution of the United States, they should use every tool at their disposal, disposal to block said nominee. You notice I put some caveats in there, and here's why I did that. Because I don't want to be like the other people. You know, the ones who opposed Brett Kavanaugh before there was even a Brett Kavanaugh nominee. Remember that? The Democrats came out and they said, we will oppose any nominee of Donald J. Trump. And according to that standard, Donald Trump could have nominated Joe Biden to the Supreme Court and the Democrats would have said, that's not good enough. All right, so we're going to try to not be hypocrites here on the show. We're going to try to not be like the other side, where they oppose people who have yet to be nominated. They oppose fill-in-the-blank, all right, because that's how they play. They play dirty, they don't play fair, and they don't care who Trump nominated. They were going to be opposed to them no matter who they were. So we're going to wait and see who Biden nominates. How about that? 
Then we're going to look at the record, and then we're going to talk about it on the show. But should they be a radical, which they probably will be, should they be a judge that has a flawed view of the Constitution, I think the Republicans should use every tool at their disposal to block the nomination. Every tool at their disposal means not voting for the nominee. How about that? That's not dirty. That's not bad politics. That's not backroom deals. That's not calling in the FBI to do an investigation into a Supreme Court nominee like they did on Kavanaugh. That's not bringing out the high school yearbooks. No, that's just simply voting against or not voting for a nominee. All right? And here's what's so frustrating is there will be people who respond to me and say, well, you know, uh, Supreme Court nominees have typically passed through the Senate with ease, and it's really, really not up to the Senate to, you know, block a presidential nominee. Oh, really? Interesting. I didn't know that. Because the Democrats fought tooth and nail while they lost. They fought tooth and nail, knives out against Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and Barrett. So I missed out on this thing where, you know, all nominees just fly through the Senate. That hasn't seemed to be how it's gone in recent years. All right. So if the Democrats want to play hardball, I think Republicans should play hardball. Will they? Probably not because they don't have a lot of backbone. But if they're listening to the show, maybe they will. I would not rubber stamp a Biden nominee just because it's a Biden nominee and you don't want to look like the Democrats. But I think the person who's nominated needs to be judged on the merits, not on their skin color, not on their sex, but they should be judged on the merit of their judicial philosophy and judicial history. But that's not what Biden's wanting to do. He's wanting to appoint a black female, he says. A black female. Boy, does that sound good on the surface until you realize that that means he's excluding others based on their skin color and their sex, which is against the law. It's called the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and other federal law. And it, it sounds so noble and virtuous to pick people who are, quote, minorities. But folks, what we have to understand here is what the Democrats are promoting is Jim Crow 2.0. What the Democrats are promoting is segregation 2.0. They, they are wanting to take America to a place where white people are disqualified for certain positions because of their skin color. I mean, that's what Biden did here. He committed to appointing a black female, a female with darker skin, just because of that. Like, he didn't say, I'm going to appoint a constitutional judge who might be female and may be of a darker skin color than me. No, 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 no. It's solely based, according to Biden, on their sex and their skin color which that's supposed to be what we fought against. Like, we had a whole civil war over not judging people and picking people for certain positions based on their skin color or based on their sex. But that's where we are now, and everybody seems to be just fine with it. 
Uh, moving on to a few other topics, <clears throat> the Nate Silver does uh, polling. I'm going to play a clip here. This is a ABC This Week report on Nate Silver from 538 website talking about how Biden was supposed to bring unity and normalcy to America. Instead, he has miserably failed. Clip one, listen to this report. If you have to sum up Joe Biden's problem in a nutshell, it's this. He promised a return to normal, and we haven't really gotten one yet. The biggest part of that is COVID, especially in the wake of the Omicron variant. In the most recent Ipsos poll, 52% of Americans said either that they never expect their lives to return to their full pre-COVID normal, or that it will take more than a year. That's actually the most pessimistic that Americans have been at any point in the pandemic. It also may be why, in a new poll this week, 36% of voters say Biden has done a worse job of being president than they expected, as with just 5% who say he's done better. Meanwhile, Biden's overall approval rating, which initially declined late this summer as the Delta variant surged, has now fallen to 42% in the 538 average, the lowest of his presidency so far. All right, so that was from Nate Silver. And he, he's saying that this the Biden administration has been a disaster. And not just from a, a a particular perspective, but when you when you poll the American people and the electorate, a majority of them, fifty plus percent, are saying this is a disaster. And I just hope that we don't forget this. All right. I hope we don't forget because so this is the problem with what goes on in our country. All right. There are many problems, but. Here's one of the main issues. The American voters get duped every time. The American voters get get tricked every time. For example, a majority of voters, and I know we could get into the voter fraud and which ones were illegal votes and all that. I get it. Okay. But let's just say for the sake of discussion, a majority of the voters in the 2020 election cycle for presidential uh, for the presidential ticket, they chose Joe Biden. All right, that many that many people genuinely must have believed that Biden would keep his campaign promises, that he would bring quote unity, that he would quote shut down the virus. He said over ten times, "I will shut down the virus. We will have a massive economic recovery." He made all these fancy promises about bringing America together, and what are we getting now? Nothing. Not only are we getting nothing, we're getting terrible policy that hurts the American people. Let's remember that next time. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Look briefly at one of your fingers. You've just witnessed one of the greatest displays of God's creative intent there is. No other person in all the world, even an identical twin, shares your fingerprint. God specifically designed each of us to be unique. That means we shouldn't try to carbon copy anyone else in the Christian faith. If God made you an arm in his body or a kneecap, praise be to our glorious God for drawing us to become a part of his body. How freeing it is to realize that we were never meant to copy anyone but Jesus. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Fear trickles into all of our lives at some point. But right now, in the face of flu season or a global virus pandemic, it feels like fear is rushing in like a storm surge, bringing huge tidal waves of anxiety and panic with it. There are concrete, practical steps we can take to calm the fears of sickness in our kids. We can fortify their bodies with nutritious foods. We can practice healthy habits like hand washing and surface sanitizing. And we can also build up their spiritual armor. God instructs us to be not afraid constantly throughout the Bible. I haven't counted myself, but I've heard it said that there are 365 scripture mentions of being fearless, one for every day of the year. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. When an abortion-minded woman walks into a pre-born pregnancy center, she encounters love and compassion and gets to meet her baby by ultrasound. And I was like, I'm gonna go to the abortion clinic. And I already had my mind made up. This mom didn't make it to the abortion clinic. Instead, God led her to a pre-born center. And the lady is giving me my ultrasound. She's like making these weird faces and then she's like, it's two. And I'm like, I just start crying. I start texting my friends and like, I can't. The ministry of Preborn was able to help this mom save not just one life, but two through ultrasounds. Preborn centers help save babies' lives and souls. Preborn runs and leads Christian pregnancy centers all over the country. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to be with you on the show. You know, one uh, tidbit. I like that little saying now. I used it first segment. Now it's like a new thing. I'm going to start using it all the time, Bobby. <laughs> the It works. It does work. You know, folks, I uh, have some exciting news for those who don't know. My wife is, her name's Lexi, by the way, and we've been married a little over six years, and we have four little boys. We have a four-year-old. We have a set of twins. There, They'll be three in March. Then uh, I've got a baby that's about 37 weeks old right now and uh, soon to be born. And uh, so if you hear a guest host in the next week or two or three for a couple of days or a week, that's what's going on. Uh, I will be with my wife and my boys um, taking care of Isaac Gregory is his name. So that's on the horizon. Uh, but Bobby's going to hold the fort down. Wesley's probably going to hold the fort down some too. Can I trust you guys? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, you can trust me. I'll no keep doubt. my eye on Wes. You can you know trust me to hold you accountable. <laughs> well, I'm I'm gonna have to watch you guys uh, because I, I I could I smell a coup here. Marty will constrain us. Yeah, <laughs> I I could see coming back from taking care of my son and my wife, and you guys have just taken over the show. There is no more seat for Walker. Yeah, I just got to ask you a question. I'm holding you accountable over here. I'm not even listening to what you're saying. 
<laughs> what I want to know is tidbit. Is that one word is or that, two words? I don't even know. It's That's one how much word. I know about it. It's one word. Is it one it word? It depends if it's a euphemism or the delicious snack treat. He's uh, <laughs> Bobby makes a strong point. <laughs> All right. So, so, you know, this, so this is reason number 385 why we shouldn't look up words that we use on the show. No, nor should you allow me to have a whole hour. <laughs> yeah, because, because then we'll find out that half the words we use don't even fit the proper right. context. Right, and then we're, and then we're go- looking back at ourselves when we're 60 going, man, they let us do live radio yeah. for an hour a day. Well, look, I'm, I'm Very looking little forward education. to when I come back from being out and yeah. you have – Printed off a picture of yourself on the banner behind me, <laughs> and you've taped tape it over it. my face, <laughs> and then you've replaced my name with yeah. your name. I yeah. can see that happening. It could happen. It All could right. happen. You're, well, giving me, you're giving us some great ideas. Uh, for the uh, core listening audience, we apologize for the last four minutes. We will get into very less trivial and a lot more serious stories, because we know that's why you come here for. Uh, Walker, some of the things uh, I get to work on, uh, a delight to work on here at AFA, along with a couple others. It's a project that we've been doing for a little over a year now called By Design. And, uh, like, it's a project. So, like, other things that we do, we do for a season to emphasize a particular area of, of topic. I know we did In His Image, which was an emphasis on a guy's gender and sexuality. That was obviously a documentary, but we had phases within that with the journal and uh, audio and things like that that we emphasized for a while. Well, we've turned our attention to the last several months to the topic of by design in which here at AFA we have written content, we have audio content, and we have videos that are produced here on site for that topic. You can go to afa.net slash by design, and I'll give that URL out again here toward the end. But just to remind our audience, by design is the mission for that is to educate and encourage people to embrace God's, that's the key here, God's design for marriage and family as a fundamental building block for all human society and to celebrate the union of one man and one woman as the objective institution that produces human flourishing. And so within that, I have the privilege of hosting, along with a few others here at AFA and AFR, a weekend podcast. And, you know, Walker, when we start as as people we want to learn and understand and get to um get our hands around something that that is value to us you know it's there's there's a classroom type setting where we can learn there's textbooks there's also uh, uh there's a video things like we're doing education you know on the radio but there's nothing better all those things are needed and, and they have their place but nothing's better than experience yeah and uh, being able to share that, which, you know, in a lot of ways can be turned into what we d- describe as wisdom. And so from there, we are so blessed here at, on, on site. While there's a lot of big names out there that have done a lot of good on the topic of marriage and family, AFA has actually gone around our staff and we have allowed and we've invited and allowed many of our staff members to to participate in this effort. So if you go to afa.net slash by design, you will see Several of our staff members, people you've never even heard of on the radio or, or in, from the stand uh, written content yeah. that have provided their wisdom, their experience, and things that they have learned through life and marriage. And some of these uh, people that uh, staff members that have uh, been a part of this have been a part of this for uh, have been married for uh, as much as 30 or 40 years. Yeah. So we cover topics on there just to list a few. 
uh, tips for blended families, how to prioritize your family's schedule, the importance of having date nights with your spouse, all the way to the importance of discipling your children. So we have all kinds of things. And if we have time, Walker, with the, with what we have left, yeah. and you feel free to ask me questions or jump in here, I wanted to kind of tease something that I have uh, interest uh, or that I'm going to record a podcast on, a radio program on for by design, and that is being a biblical and biblically intentional parent. So parenting from a biblical perspective and doing it intentionally. And the first thing I wanted to just address, Walker, is the question about who is responsible for teaching your children mm. the difference between right and wrong. Yes. Now, obviously, this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek here. It's definitely not the teachers or the youth pastors. We know it's more of a rhetorical question that it is the parents, obviously, for the Christian. Yeah. It's obviously the parents. However, the reason I feel like I still need to make that point to begin with is that at times— from entertainment, a busy schedule, and other activities going on, at times, even as Christian parents, we begin to delegate the respons- the responsibility of discipleship. Yes. Uh, obviously, education, things that we can't teach like science and math, that's okay at times to delegate that out. Right. But when it comes to discipling your children, the difference from right and wrong and in the Word of God, it's 100% the parent's responsibility. And I just wanted to make that point, Walker. I've, I've said that many times before. Youth pastors, school teachers, coaches, yeah, all of those have their place, and they should complement what is being taught at home, but we should carry the burden of discipling our children. Yeah, that's exactly right, and and it, it, this is where the pro, the understanding of the primary role of parents mm-hmm. is, is critically important to not get to a point, Wesley, where we're blaming others yeah. outside the household sure. for our own uh, uh, marital or family right. problems or yep. issues with children. So uh, we got to take primary responsibility. And of course, if if someone is teaching your child something that you don't approve of outside the household, then of course, address that, take care of that. Yep. Uh, but we don't need to, for example, blame our teachers or blame our coaches or blame our youth pastor because our children are not developing how we think they should mm-hmm. when it comes to a biblical worldview. Yep. We need to take that head on and we need to be a leader and not a follower or a complainer when it comes to raising our children. Yeah, and I've got some ideas and some things that we've uh, experienced or that we've um, tried and it's worked and that I want to share with us, uh, our audience, that I think may be helpful. And then we'd like to hear from you. I'm not sure how our audience could let us know some of the creative ideas that they do for their children. Do we have a website? Or? we got an email, thecore okay. at afa.net. Okay. All right, cool. The, the I'll be, at be interested to see. We've all, our, uh, our audience, y'all's size, would be cool to see. But before I give those examples of some things that we've done to disciple our kids along the way, I wanted to add that there are two potential listeners here that are outside of the lane that we just discussed, and that is there is a good chance that uh, on live radio an audience this size that there are some parents that have done, not they weren't perfect, obviously no one is, but they have done the best that they can, and they have followed the Scriptures and discipling their children. And unfortunately, for whatever different circumstances, their children are not following in the faith. Let me just say this right now, because this is a potential listener. Uh, Don't grow weary in doing good, because in due time you'll reap if you don't give up. Mm. Uh, Also, I would invite you, I've seen this work countless times over and over again. I would invite you to continue to double up on your prayer life and invite people within your church family and your friends to continue to pray for that prodigal 
because uh, and keep being faithful. Um, I would like to I would like to encourage you to do that. Also, on the other hand, and I'll let Bobby and Walker hop in here. There's also a a, a parent that's probably listening now that have totally blown that window of opportunity to influence your children. And I went on to say, look, you may have lost a lot of years there, but it's never too late in the in the, in the world that God lives in, which is the world we live in, yeah. it's never too late to <laughs> repent and to make it right because you may have lost some years, but do not waste the years that you have left because yeah. there's still a lot of time to influence your children and be a good witness. Yeah, absolutely. And and if, if you're listening to the show and you've realized that, hey, I didn't, I didn't do the best I could in parenting my children, you just need to first, I would say, um, go to, to your children and let them know that you you have remorse, you mm-hmm. you uh, are repentant, and you realize that you could have done better. Yes. Um, and then, of course, go to God and and do the same thing there. But then uh, move forward. Stop looking yeah. in the rear view. That's right. Uh, if you can help uh, disciple your grandchildren, do that. And do what you can to be a good parent and grandparent and move move now forward. And that's the beautiful thing, Wesley, about salvation is that for those of us that are in Christ, the blood of Jesus covers our sins. Sufficient, yeah. And so we, as long as we are repentant and and we are remorseful and we understand our place before God, mm-hmm. uh, God will cover our yeah. sins. It's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. Bobby, before I go on, do you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, uh, Denise and I have, have experienced this per- personally, and it's a, it, it's a situation where remodeling mm-hmm. takes on a different connotation. Sure. We may not have been the perfect models earlier on in our lives, but as we've grown, uh, became more mature Christians and model what that does to the best as we can sure. being covered in flesh, um, it's made an impact on the family. Hey, and it's man, been that's exciting. Yeah, it's it's been something relative to, Mom, you're not the same person yeah. I used to know. <laughs> yeah. And she, Denise will tell them that, no, I'm not. I'm <laughs> repentant and I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And, you know, one last thing I'll add to what Bobby's saying here is we oftentimes when we think of leaving a legacy, uh, we think of finances. We think of like yeah, leaving, good leaving <laughs> land or money or yeah. a house. Yeah. Yeah. But the greatest legacy we can live, uh, we can leave rather, is knowing that we did all that we could Amen. to raise our children and our grandchildren in the fear and admonition Absolutely. of the Lord. That's yeah. the legacy, Bobby, to your point, that yeah. will last for generations Amen. to come. And I wanted to share a few ideas and a few thoughts on how we can do that as parents. You know, the Bible t- teaches us, both old and new, to disciple our children. Well, and the Great Commission, the final words of Jesus before he ascends into heaven, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 and 20, the first word that says, uh, therefore, go. The go part, that's not the first word, technically. For the, for those that are black and white, literally, literally out there, let me correct myself. But it's what's used when <laughs> yes, you hear that word, scripture. Right, the word exactly. go. They'll start at go. Go, yeah. So the word go there, and translated in the original language, is the word that is translated as you are going, is active. So it's not a, it's not a particular location or set time, although those are good emphasis uh, things to do. Uh, the word go is, is literally translated as you are going. So my point to that would be don't waste any opportunity when you're at the convenience store, when you're driving from one activity to the next, when you are um, on your way to church or even in church. <laughs> don't, don't, don't cut down or stop off 
or take a break from an opportunity to teach your children the difference between right and wrong. So as you're going, disciple your children. Within that, uh, we read one by one chapter of Bible a night for us. This is just our. This is what we have found over time that fits best and works for the Wildman family. And I hope some of it may be some help for y'all. We read one chapter of Bible a night, and within that Bible reading, I ask two questions. One, well, one question for each child. And what's funny is I found myself uh, asking my older son more difficult questions than I'm asking my three-year-old daughter, so much so that I caught myself the other night, and I had, I found myself over about a two-week period, Walker. Bob, y'all think this is hilarious. I thought it was funny. I found myself... <laughs> Asking her questions that were semi-complicated for her three-year-old. <laughs> However, the answer was always God. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, so you've got you've yeah. got a daddy's girl, yeah. yeah, and you were pitching her softballs. Yeah, I pitched her softballs, and, <laughs> and you were throwing a curveball to the Bennett. Yeah, and Chelsea walked by and she heard the question, and she was you could see her face like she, like good night, like come on, she's three. And then I finished it, and, and and Landry said God, and it was the answer to it for sure. And so, uh, but of course, obviously, I go into explain all that. But yeah. I caught myself as a dad in well, the middle. That, of that. That's actually, mm. in my experience, pretty common, especially with my children in their in their in their ages like two yeah. through four. Yeah. When you start talking Bible lessons and Sunday school yeah. lessons and stuff. Uh, they often, if they don't know the answer, they just say God or Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I subconsciously was doing that, so I thought that was funny. Hey, yeah. uh, with my final minute or here or two left here, I just wanted to add one thing that I have been reminded and that I knew about, but I had forgotten in my parenting that I'm that are am reminded occasionally, and that is that kids are fallen sinners and they're in need of the transforming power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God just like we are as adults every single day. Amen. Amen. So it's important for us to remember that and to take our uh, responsibility of being a biblically intentional parents very seriously. There's a lot more on that, Walker, at afa.net slash by design, afa.net slash by design. A lot of content that we want to do to help preserve the family. All right. And uh, the mission statement of AFA talks about transforming culture. How do we transform culture? We transform the family one household at a time. That's how we transform this country and turn her in a direction of biblical morality and honoring God with everything that we do, not just in our household, but at City Hall and all across the country, AFA at the core. Special guest Todd Nettleton with Voice of the Martyrs coming up next segment. You're not going to want to miss that. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net. Oh, Lord, please let me make it. Please, Lord. Come on, come on. American Family Association or American Family Radio. I missed the show again. 
Can't find the time to catch the live shows? No worries. Wait, what? You can listen and download all your favorite shows for free. For free? That's right, for free. Just visit the podcast page on AFR.net. Lord. AFR.net. Hi, this is Dan Celia from Financial Issues. Look, you know how much I care about income. We got to have income because we're always going to be consuming and we need to make sure that we've got income over and above our social security, maybe even over and above our social security and a pension. What I want you to consider and think about is a charitable remainder trust. A charitable remainder trust is going to allow you an income that is going to be far better than CD income. And someday when the Lord calls you home, you'll be doing kingdom work. What a way to get income for the rest of your life. Call the AFA Foundation. Get more information, 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. Ask them about a charitable remainder trust. This time of year, many people make resolutions, but unfortunately, they just don't stick. Franklin Graham. Let me tell you about a decision that you can make today that can change your life, not just for this year, but for eternity. You see, God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to take our sins. And he died on a cross and he shed his blood for our sins. And he was buried and on the third day, God raised him to life. If you're willing to trust Jesus, he will change your life, not just for this year, but for eternity. Just pray this prayer with me. Just say, God, I've sinned. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus is your son. I want to trust him as my savior. And I'm willing to follow him as my Lord from this day forward forever. Amen. Someone is ready to talk with you right now about a relationship with Jesus Christ or simply pray with you. Call 888-388-2683. That's 888-388-2683. God bless you and a happy new year to each and every one. We're the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to have you with us today on the show. As I said last segment, we have a special guest with us on the line right now. We have Todd Nettleton, who is the Chief of Media Relations and Media Integration, or Message Integration, rather, for Voice of the Martyr. He's also a host or the host of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Todd, welcome to the core. Thank you so much. It's good to be with you. Well, Todd, I'm familiar with Voice of the Martyrs. I've kept up with your work in recent years, and I know uh, American Family Association has done a, done a few partnerships with you guys. But uh, tell our audience a little bit about your work, Voice of the Martyrs, uh, not just in the U.S., but of course you guys work internationally. Tell us a little bit about your ministry and your work. Well, Voice of the Martyrs is a ministry to persecuted Christians, and we were founded uh, by persecuted Christians. Pastor Richard Wormbrand, our founder, spent 14 years in prison in communist Romania. His wife, Sabina, was in prison for three years, and uh, they were eventually ransomed out of that communist country. They came to the West uh, and began to tell the story of their time in prison, uh, but also the pastors and the other Christians who were still in those prisons. And Uh, People like you and I heard those stories and said, hey, how do we help those Christians? How do we help those behind the Iron Curtain? How do we help those who are in prison? 
that's how Voice of the Martyrs was founded. It was founded to serve Christians. Today, we are serving in more than 70 countries around the world where Christians are persecuted. And uh, this year will mark 55 years since the start of the organization. And uh, the vision is still exactly the one that Richard and Sabina had. We serve persecuted Christians wherever they're at. You know, Todd, this is, um, I think, helpful to our audience here because uh, oftentimes on the network here, we talk about uh, the First Amendment, we talk about freedom of religion, we talk about how important it is here in this country and around the world for people to be able to exercise their faith freely without fear of the government persecuting them or putting them in jail um, or fining them, et cetera, et cetera. And in, in America, we, we don't experience the level of persecution that many people around the world do. So we really have it good here, speaking generally, um, not that persecution doesn't exist, but overall, America has protections for people, uh, uh, for Christians and people of other religions and other faiths. But I say all that to say we shouldn't take it for granted because we shouldn't take it for granted and just, you know, accept or assume that persecution, it always has to be that way. Because as we've seen here and around the world, uh, religious freedom can be achieved. It just takes tons and tons of work and the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, as you look around the world today, and as you look at the followers of Jesus for the last 2,000 years, the freedoms that we enjoy here in America right now, we're the tiny minority in the body of Christ. And, yes. You know, so many Christians have some restrictions, whether it is uh, often in an Islamic context, the first line of persecution is your own family members. It's your dad. It's your big brother. Mm. Or you talk about communist countries where it's the government. They want to control the hearts and minds of the people, and they see following Jesus as a direct threat to their control. And so they crack down against pastors and churches. Uh, so absolutely, I agree with you. We we have it very well. We We should be thankful to the Lord for that. Uh, and we should also be connected to the body of Christ. You know, the Bible says when one part of the body suffers, we're all supposed to feel that. Mm. Well, around the world, in more than 70 countries, the body of Christ is suffering. Yes. We're supposed to feel that pain. Absolutely. Todd, uh, I, on the show here, I talk about China often and, and many of the human rights issues there, uh, often that are covered up. You uh, People like you, Todd, and, and, and your organization— that you work for our Voice of the Martyrs, you know what's going on in China because you have contacts there, you have connections there. Uh, but much of what goes on there is covered up as far as it being covered in the media because the government has such a control on the uh, sharing or lack thereof of information to the public. Uh, but give our audience a little uh, history or background as far as the kind of persecution that Christians experience in the country of China. Well, I love it that you use the word cover-up, because I think what we're about to see in, in just a little over a week when the Olympics start uh, is maybe one of the greatest cover-ups in the history of the world. Uh, you will see China, you will see the Great Wall, you will see the athletic competitions. Uh, you won't see the pastors who are in prison for their faith. I think of Pastor Wang Yi, who is serving a nine-year prison sentence uh, for the so-called crime of leading an unregistered church, for leading a church that said, the head of our church is not the Communist Party, it's Jesus Christ. Because he led that church, because he founded that church, he's serving nine years in prison. You won't see inside the concentration camps where more than a million Uyghurs, mostly Muslims, but 
there are some Uyghur Christians as well. You, you won't see anything about those concentration camps and the abuse of the people. This is a government that wants to dominate its people. They want every person in China to wake up every single morning and think, how can I be a good communist today? How can I serve the party today? Mm. For those of us who wake up in the morning and think, how can I honor Jesus today? They see us as a threat, and they respond to threats very violently, very directly. That's why you see church buildings being torn down. You see pastors being put in prison. You see any kind of Christian education being squashed because they want you to be educated by the party, not by the church. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the reality that our brothers and sisters in China face every single day. Yeah, you're exactly right, and that, that, that spotlight needs to continue to be shown on that <clears throat> because uh, many people aren't educated. Many people don't know what's going on over there, so we need to educate uh, so that we can have a proper view of where we are today uh, as, as the body of Christ and those who need help the most. Hey, Todd, uh, before I let you go, tell our audience about your radio show that you host and uh, when it airs and where folks can listen to it. Well, every weekend we have a conversation with somebody who has been persecuted for their faith or is working in a hostile or restricted nation where potentially they could be persecuted for their faith. It's called The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. It airs every weekend on American Family Radio, so you can find it on your American Family Radio dial. You can also find it at vomradio.net. Uh, you can search there based on your zip code and find the station and the time where it's on in your area. Uh, but vomradio.net is that website. All right, Todd, keep up the good work. Keep shining the light on uh, on Christians who need help. And uh, God bless you. Thanks so much for having me. All right, thank you. There you have it. That's um, Todd with Voice of the Martyr. Todd Nettleton with Voice of the Martyrs. And uh, on this, uh, this is this is actually going to be a good transition here. The corporate America, uh, many in corporate America, uh, the, the CEOs and the corporations, uh, Fortune 100, Fortune 500, many of them speak to public policy issues that really don't have anything to do with their primary business purpose. All right. We see this happen with Elon Musk. We see this happen with Jeff Bezos. We see this happen with the NBA, the MLB, on and on and on. You talk about corporations. Apple and and others, I could go on and on. We saw PayPal do this, where they speak up on public policy issues that have nothing to do with their primary business role, with their primary business functions. All right. And so that 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 seems so noble, but let's listen to this clip here. Uh, what we're about to listen to is a CNN contributor. This is clip two. His uh, he's a Washington Post columnist, also a CNN political analyst. His name's Josh Rogan. And he's commenting on how corporations act like they care about morals and virtues, but in reality, all they tend to care about is profits. Clip two, let's listen. This is a part owner and tech billionaire who was on his own podcast who said that nobody cares, especially he didn't care. And that shocked a lot of people. But I don't think he's right. I think he's just more right than wrong, because if you look at these corporations and we're talking about the International Olympic Committee, we're talking about Airbnb, we're talking about the German insurance company Allianz, we're talking about all of the sponsors. 
They've made a financial calculation. They've decided, apparently, that not enough people care that the shame of them paying for and endorsing a genocide Olympics is greater than the benefits that they're going to get from it financially. And those benefits could be access to the Chinese market. Benefits could just be whatever they think they're going to get out of participating. And it reveals an ugly truth about our society, which is that our elites are often up for bribery, that they're often easily corrupted, even in the face of the world's worst atrocities. And that, of course, is what the Chinese Communist Party thinks of us, that we can all be bought off, that all of our morals are just happy talking, that we don't really believe them when push comes to shove. But I'm here to tell you, Brianna, that actually a lot more people, especially because of the these atrocities and how horrible they are, are now starting to care. And we have more activism and more groups and more calls for justice and attention to the suffering of not just Uyghurs, but Tibetans and Hong Kongers and lots of other Chinese dissidents and other people who are suffering greatly under the repression of the Chinese Communist Party right now. So yeah, there's a lot of people in Silicon Valley and in the corporate world who don't care, some in the media actually, but Americans do care. Americans are actually, and people around the world are actually uh, awakening to the, the reality of these mass atrocities. And I think the Olympics has actually contributed to that. All right. Well, you talk about word salad. A lot of people care. A lot of people don't care. A lot of people care. A lot of people don't care. Which one is it? Do a lot of people care or do a lot of people not care? All right. Which one is it? And and by the way, there's no there's no partially right. Or there's no more right than wrong. Either there's right or there's wrong. All right? And th but this is the truth. What he just spoke was the truth. And that is that many corporations, many executives only care about the profits. They only care about the profits, but okay, you say, well, is that news, Walker? No, it's not news, but let's be reminded that it is these same corporations, Amazon, PayPal, Airbnb, NBA, MLB, Delta Airlines, United Airlines, Southwest Airlines. I could go on and on and on. It is these same corporations that get all up in arms. They get all upset because North Carolina, the state of North Carolina, dare to pass legislation in like 2015 that says only men should be allowed to go in men's restrooms and only women should be allowed to use women's changing areas and restrooms. And so all the same corporations say, oh, this is terrible. This is against equality. We care about human rights. And, and, and men who think they're women, they should be able to go undress in front of our daughters. On and on and on and on. And they claim like they are this moral authority on public policy. But then you find out, well, PayPal, their headquarters, their international headquarters is in Malaysia, where people who are homosexual get physically beaten and caned in public. But PayPal's fine with that. They won't say a word about their headquarters being in Malaysia. Why? Because they've run the numbers and they can make a ton of money with their international headquarters in Malaysia. So this is not about morals for these companies. This is not about being virtuous for these companies. What it is about is virtue signaling when, when it's convenient. That's what it's about. And all the same companies that talk about how uh, Republicans are racist and Republicans are passing Jim Crow voting laws are the same ones 
doing business with China and, and having many of their products produced by slave labor. But they want to tell us in America that we've got it wrong, that our, our system is systemically racist and corrupt, and black men are being put in jail unfairly in the masses, and police are, are targeting black men. That's the narrative. That's what the Golden State Warriors uh, 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 co-owner talked about, about how all bad America is. Bad America, shame on America. But he's doing business with China. And they're slaughtering innocent humans over there by the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, every year. They've got slave labor camps running over there. They imprison people who don't bow the knee to the state, but that's okay. We can't speak out about that. And you see Mark Cuban, he had to come back and apologize a few months ago. He said something, you know, not so nice about China. What does he do? He backtracks. And so these companies just need to be quiet. They just need to be silent about public policy issues that do not directly affect their bottom line. If you sell hammers and, and, and hardware and, and, and tools, construction tools for a living, then don't speak to me about the pro-life issue. Don't speak to me about how we should allow men into women's restrooms. Just sell your hammers and your saws. Just like uh, Coca-Cola, I mean, I could go on for an hour of the companies that are meddling around in public policy debates that they don't know anything about. That they don't know anything about. Instead, their Democrat allies in Congress and around the country, they're calling up the departments of these corporations saying, you got to speak out on this issue. We got to bully the Republicans. We got to bully the Christians. So the next time you think that these corporations genuinely, truly care about human rights, think twice. The same companies are doing business and profiting off of immorality. All right? Christians need to be promoting policies that uphold a biblical worldview. All right? Corporations just need to focus on whatever product they're selling. Leave the public policy making up to people who actually know what they're doing. AFA at the core. See you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.